Welcome to the Casually Normies podcast, a chit-chat where we dive into the real-life stories of young adults in the middle of their adulting journey. I'm your host, Karim Azideni, head of the content at Casually Normies. You won't hear anyone famous on these podcast episodes. Instead, you'll hear everyday normal people just like you share personal stories about their growth, how it has impacted them, and the things they've learned along the way. Grab yourself a drink and let our talk settle in. Grief, toxicity, accident, illness, or personal failure. These are all trials that remain etched in our memory and prevent us from fully appreciating and living in the present. The most common mistake is the dream of living without these memories, without this heritage. I don't know what I'm saying, heritage. Without these bruises. Yes, it is possible to move on to the next chapter, but you cannot tear off the already written ones. The past is what it is. It's a story for better or for worse. We cannot get rid of it or escape it. It would be mistaking yourself for someone else or it would be living outside of yourself. This is what happens when a person cannot stand reality anymore. The temptation is to fly to somewhere else and new addictions and wounds are the result. If you don't want to think about it anymore, if you erase the trauma from your memory, that doesn't mean it's gone. It's like a secret. It's buried but continue to poison everyone. Does that mean that we would never get out of this story of misfortune? There comes the other common mistake, which is to live with your burden, your bruises, your memory, but letting them invade your whole field of consciousness and block your way. Whether we socially resign or get sadly overwhelmed, in both cases, we no longer live. We just survive. The story is not over yet. Amy Osterreicher, a true warrior, comes to take us by the hand and invite us to take a few steps toward the future while sharing her inspiring story. Thanks for joining us, Amy Osterreicher. I know your story is very inspiring and has endless of life lessons, but we wish that you sum it up for our listeners to get to know you better? Sure. Um, Well, my story started when I was a teenager and I was perfectly happy and healthy my entire life. I loved doing musical theater. And um, that was what I thought my life was just going to be, a straight path ahead of me. Then when I was 18, I had a suddenly a very bad stomach ache that was not going away and it lasted the next day and my father ended up having to take me to the emergency room because the stomach ache was just getting so painful and it turned out to be a blood clot just sitting in a very bad place and I had gotten sepsis and There was so much internal pressure that when I got to the emergency room and the surgeons, you know, cut me open, my stomach literally exploded to the ceiling of the operating room because there was so much internal pressure. And so I just got in my college acceptance letters and now I was in a coma where doctors told my parents I wouldn't make it through the night. And I was in a coma for months and I woke up 
having no idea where I was or what world this was. And eventually doctors told me that I didn't have a stomach anymore and I couldn't eat or drink. And they didn't know when or if I'd ever be able to again, which was craziness to me for someone who was ready to go to college. So then, you know, eventually, you know, doctors really restored my health and I was determined to. And so I was discharged from the hospital finally after having my high school graduation in the ICU. Um, And I was feeling, you know, like finally healthy and stable. Um, But the only problem was I still didn't have a digestive system and I didn't know when that would or if it could happen. So then the question was, okay, how am I supposed to be, you know, a vital like 18, 19, 20 year old, you know, just trying to really live life again when I can't even have an ice cube and psychologically I'm starving. And so I really had to go day to day and who knew it turned into over six years and now 28 surgeries before doctors were finally able to, you know, figure out how to make me this makeshift digestive system with whatever, you know, intestine I had left. Um, Because, you know, there was no, like, set instructions for creating a stomach after it explodes. You know, doctors really had to use some creativity. And so through all the years, there were ups and downs and setbacks. I mean, there were so many surgeries because they would figure out how to hook me up and then it wouldn't work. And, you know, many, uh, you can eat, no, you can't eat, you can eat, no, you can't eat. So, you know, emotionally that took a big toll too. But once I finally could eat, I realized you, besides just nourishment, food reintroduced me to the world again. It it connected me to my mind, to my heart. I could feel again. And it's a social thing. I could really be part of the world again. And that gratitude is something that I've never lost. Um, You know, I've had many different scars and medical apparatuses and different changes in my body. Um, And so the whole journey has been really... I'm embracing what my body and my system is and how resilient not only the body, but you know, the human spirit is that you, you don't know what you're capable of until you're pushed to that. And that you know, uncertainty is really scary, um, but we can't think about the big picture. Uh, we can only think about it one day at a time. And especially now during this period of uncertainty for everyone you know that's um that's something I'm really trying to you know practice myself um another thing that helped me through everything was just remembering what I always loved to do like creativity you know theater I discovered art I went back to dance to music and I realized that you know, I'm not who I was when I was 15, but I can still do what I love 
just informed by everything I've been through. And that's why, you know, I just published my memoir last year and I, yeah, that, I was so happy to finally get that out. Yeah. But um, I called it my beautiful detour because it didn't feel like such a beautiful detour when I was going through it. You know, it kind of just felt like I was wandering to who knows where. But in the end, I realized, wow, if this didn't happen, I would have never learned this new skill, met this new person, had this experience, learned this about myself. And, you know, I'm still doing what I love and even more that I love that I didn't even know I did. Um, But because I was open to what these obstacles presented me and I was, you know, and I was willing to take it on. Um, So I really feel that, you know, any obstacle in our lives, if we just keep going, um, we can find things that, you know, make it, make it richer for us. So that, that's kind of what I've learned. And what I continue to learn is life, there's, you know, everyone curveballs. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like, according to you, what, why does the past play such a big role in our lives? And Why is it so hard to get over it and let it go? Right. No, it's true. It is hard. Um, So a a few things. I mean, the past, you know, informs us. It it is part of us. And I know I ran into a bunch of hurdles when I just told myself, oh, I should be over this. I should be over this. Or, Or I am over this. And what I realized is, the past will continue to run our lives until we face it, but we also have to go through the grieving process. Like if we've lost something, you know, when I went into a coma, I lost a big part of me and I had to go through years later, you know, sometimes we're not ready to grieve right away, but I had to find ways to grieve the part of me that was lost. And I found that only moving through grief and feeling that sadness that you deserve to feel, um, that's the only way you can make room for joy um, in your life. Otherwise, you'll always be run by your past and that will always victimize you. So I think in those general terms, you know, it's, it's hard to let go from our past when, when we let it kind of overtake us and, and yeah. you know, than, you know, finding healthy ways to, to, you know, to honor our past and be with it. And once we're with it in a healthy way where we can really see it, that's the only way we can move on. For me, actually, I discovered how to do that um, accidentally, kind of, yeah. um, you know, for my 13th surgery, it, that was the one that was supposed to hook up my digestive system. That didn't work at all. I ended up back in the hospital, um, really frustrated because, you know, it was 13 surgeries and I'd had it. I was stuck there for four months while doctors were trying to figure out what to do which was scary enough. And I was so mad one day that, you know, my mom kept, you know, getting little things from the gift shop to entertain us. And like, 
she got like this set of like kids paints. And I just remember feeling like, I don't know what else to do. And I was just so angry that I took one of those paintbrushes. And for the first time, I just like smacked it on a canvas. And the first thing I painted was a big tear. And that was my discovery of painting. And then when I got home from the hospital, the doctors had no answers. But now I had this amazing tool of painting. And that was how I could really move through grief because for a while I would just paint all these blue tears on canvases. And I realized that was my way of really embracing the sadness of what I had been through. And slowly those tears led to other shapes and swirls. And I was kind of like going into my past in a healthy way until finally I could really process it and move through it. And, you know, it doesn't have to be painting for, you know, everyone yeah, has to. True. <laughs> but, but the, I guess the bottom line is we can't move on from our past by just saying I should be over it and try and move on. We, we need some kind of way to make peace with it. Yeah, definitely. So now that you managed to walk out like gracefully of a traumatic past that is full of hardships, can you name one or two coping mechanisms that helped you to uh, get over numbness, shame, regret that comes with that? Yep. Yeah, well, number one is what I just said, you know, definitely creativity. Yeah, art. <laughs> yeah, well... Everyone can use creativity. And I always say you don't have to think you're an artist to be creative. You know, creativity is a mindset. It's just our way of seeing things in a different view. Um, you know, it's having that beginner's mind. And, you know, I used to come up with exercises for myself as I was taking walks. Like, oh, let me, like, look at the trees and let me see, like, the hidden life that's going on everywhere. And, you know, I would imagine stories and, and adventure, you know, creativity is just our ability to take whatever we're feeling and, and, you know, we have the power to shape it in, in whatever way we want. Um, and I discovered that through, you know, anything from art to, you know, laughter is a form of creativity. Um, so, yeah, it's just, um, you know, that was really how I could view anything as, oh, this isn't a trauma. This can be an adventure that I can, like, kind of work my way through and pick up the pieces and build it into something else. Yeah. And then the other thing is definitely gratitude. Um, not be Definitely not because you know, gratitude makes you go, oh, you know what? I shouldn't be sad. Uh, there's so much to be grateful for. Let me just remember that. You know, gratitude goes far deeper than that. Um, it, gratitude is a way that we get ourselves centered in our values and what really, you know, we have to find out what really matters to us. And I found finally when I was able to even just write a quick gratitude list at the end of every day, I realized that what was driving me from day to day was much more than my medical circumstances. You know, I was a person outside of that who valued, you know, trees and family and, and sunlight and music. And 
you know, those things guided me forward. You know, what I love about gratitude is it's an introverted act and an extroverted act. Like it makes us go inside of ourselves, but also gratitude kind of forces us to come out of ourselves and into the world, you know, and look around us too and say like, oh, hey, look at this day. Like what do I have to be grateful for? So you can never go wrong with gratitude. Yeah, true. So people with trauma often experience gaslighting in order to be silenced. I want to know if you have, have you ever been there or how can someone with previous trauma react to this? Um, can you be a little more specific about that? Yeah, like actually, I didn't want to like bring this up, but like, um, I know that you have experienced like sexual assault and mm -hmm. that can come yep. with trauma. And sometimes people may gaslight you to, to keep you silenced, you know, and tell you like you are imagining stuff and like you are being crazy. So how can right. someone deal with that? Yeah, so it was tricky for me, you know, this was, when I was sexually abused by someone I really trusted, this was way before the Me Too movement, um, and I, really before anyone was really talking about anything like this, so I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't have, 17, I didn't even know this was really a thing, um, you know, I, you know, when I was 17, my voice teacher was such a big mentor in my life and was really, you know, someone I really respected. And so I was sexually abused by him for nearly a year. And I was so numb that I kept going back for lessons because I, I didn't even understand what was happening. I just thought yeah. something was wrong with me that I'd suddenly become numb and then you know I finally told my mom when I realized what was happening and it was just manifesting as physical pain and then you know I couldn't my situation was kind of rare because we were going to get therapy and all those things but there was really no time because two weeks later that's when my stomach exploded yeah. but so all of that you know trying to come to terms with it That didn't come till, you know, coming out of the coma, I was so numb and dealing with hunger. The sexual abuse wasn't even, you know, on my head at all. It was, you know, I just had to deal with survival. And the interesting thing is the sexual abuse memories never really came up for me until I started eating again. Because like I said, you know, eating was the first thing that connected me back to my heart and emotions. And for me, this was so confusing. because I was like, wait, this happened so long ago. Like I should be over this. Like, why is this coming up now? You know, if anything, like I was hard on myself And then again, the painting was a way that I could really figure out for myself why this was still, you know, in me and I had to get it out. Um, and so, you know, it, it, I spent a lot of years on my own, isolated, just processing this for myself, you know, thankfully, um, because of art, but 
it's interesting because in 2012, that was the first time I really shared my story by premiering a one woman musical about my life, Gutless and Grateful. And at the time, it felt okay to talk about the medical stuff. But even I was scared to mention the sexual assault because in 2012, like, I, I didn't hear a lot of people talking about it. So I remember I said like one line in my show about like, you know, I was betrayed by someone who I really trusted. And then all the reviews came out the next week and the reviews are great, but you know, you always remember that one line and someone said something saying, well, she kind of makes a stretch when she talks about her sexual abuse and, you know, links it to the coma that happened, you know, two weeks later. But other than that, the show was great. And I remember reading that and feeling really hurt. Like, you know, like, that's kind of judgmental that, you know, it is, you know, when I was sexually abused, I did feel this, this intense pain that manifested as physical pain. And for me, I've always felt the connection between that and what happened. Um, and then the more I did the show, the more comfortable I became and the more confident I became that like I needed to talk about this because in me talking about it, that was the only way other people started reaching out to me, you know, other survivors that had been through similar things and they felt like it was a relief to hear someone talking about it. And so it was interesting how taking the show around the country as a mental health and sexual assault prevention program to colleges and theaters and organizations, that actually gave me the confidence to share, you know, what had happened to me and become a, a sexual, you know, assault prevention expert myself. So I think sometimes it just takes one person to start. And like, um, you know, I'm the keynote speaker for a lot of like the take, a, take back the night events. And what's really interesting about those nights where it's where, you know, survivors can get up and share their stories. Um, it's always very hard to get anyone to talk. And then one brave person will go. And then once one person goes, it's like the floodgates open and everyone starts talking. So like in terms of gaslighting, I think the best, you know, preventative measure against that is, is power in numbers. You know, I think when Me Too happened, like one person came out and then yeah. another and another. And I think that solidarity, um, you know, that's what we need. You know, I wish that was around, you know, when I was going through everything. But, you know, I'm really happy that it's happening now. And, and I hope that, you know, it will only grow stronger. Yeah, I hope too. So you went through different stages in your life that you call, rather call detours, where the past keeps reappearing in your life, like 28 surgeries, seven years of not being able to eat and so on. Um, how to deal with a past that keeps occurring and playing itself? Right, right. 
because there's no way to I I listen you can never be done with your past it's the relationship you form with it that's really going to determine your your path forward we can never forget what's happened to us it will always be a part of us um my my second TED talk was about um, the hero's journey, you know, Joseph Campbell's um, steps that y- you can trace from like the Wizard of Oz to Finding Nemo to Star Wars about how there's this yeah. archetypal tale, you know, of the hero that ends up being sucked into the darkness and he has to fight all these demons and challenges and then he comes back to society be changed with this gift to give society and the key to the hero coming back to you know his the ordinary world is he you know it's not like he goes to this other realm fighting all these dark past demons and then comes back to the real world and is free of them you know he takes with him both worlds or her well you know he takes with she takes with her both worlds and the final step is called mastery of the two worlds where you understand that you'll always be going back and forth between those worlds now you know the past and the present your past will always be a part of you but you've conquered that part and so now you take that past, you take the gifts that it's given you, and you make that into a richer, fuller you. And that was, you know, why, you know, I found, you know, my first TED Talk was about finding the flowers on our detours, you know, the flowers that we find on our crazy detours, you know, they can really enhance our lives. So, you know, I think if, it's all how we regard the past. Um, what we don't, you know, the bad parts of it, we need to grieve and let go of. And letting go can be hard, but the best way to let go is to know that, you know, we're letting go of that and moving on to something even, you know, even more expansive because of what we've learned from, from our past. Yeah, true. Speaking of letting go of this story that no longer serving us, uh, any kind tip, last tips for young people that are like more or less not vaccinated against this kind of trauma, um, how to step gracefully into the future without repressing their memories and feelings? Right, because the repressing is, remember, it's the law of energy, you know, energy cannot be created or destroyed. So basically if you step on it, you know, and try to think, okay, well, it will go away then. It's gonna come up in some other way. And that's how we, we resort to maladaptive coping mechanisms, whether it's numbing out on, you know, social media or drugs or, you know, over exercise or, or anything like that. So. All those ways we try to suppress it, you know, running away from it, again, that's just energy. So knowing that our energy has to go somewhere, we need to find creative ways to use that energy. So if we're feeling anger, you know, if we're feeling sadness, 
don't call it anger or sadness. Just feel that as energy and be like, okay, this is energy. Let, let me see what else I can do with it. Maybe that angry energy, maybe that means I need to, you know, punch a pillow, you know, that sad energy. Maybe it means I need to like play this song and like dance to it in my room. Um, but, but those are all creative, healthy ways we can deal with the emotions that we deserve to feel. Um, because, you know, we don't heal from anything by just saying, you know what, let me just put on a smile and keep my chin up. You know, we, we got to go into those dark places, but we need to go into them with, you know, with our, a healthy set of tools. That's it for this episode from Casually Normies. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Casually Normies. And if you wish to be featured on future episodes of the podcast, just click on the link in the show notes to submit your application.